I asked our guest and friend Chris Allen to pound the table for someone. Chris, who you pounded the table for? I'm actually pounding the table for one Cowboys wide receiver, Michael Gallup. And if I think about it, uh, like last year, it was Zay Jones, right? Everybody wanted that mid to late round wide receiver that was going to be playing on like a solid passing team. And then afterwards be able to have that average depth of target, that spike week potential that you're not going to be able to find in the middle rounds. And while Zay Jones himself, himself, he still sits in that area of the draft. We know what he's about. And also with Calvin Ridley joining the Jaguars, it's less likely that we're going to see like that type of performance from Zay Jones in 2023. But what about Michael Gallup, right? We saw, uh, what was it? Those downfield shots to Noah Brown, who's now at the Texans, even like T.Y. freaking Hilton last year, taking downfield shots from the Cowboys. And this is all while Michael Gallup was recovering from the ACL injury, the knee injury that knocked him out throughout most of the previous season. He, he even admitted he came back a little bit too early. So if he now has another year removed from the injury, more time to get back into rhythm with Dak Prescott and now with fewer competition or fewer targets or few options for Dak Prescott. No more Dalton Schultz, no more Noah Brown. Of course, T.Y. Hilton is not going to be there anymore. I mean, that target tree has to coalesce around a couple of people. CeeDee Lamb obviously being the power slot and all that for the Cowboys and Brandon Cook still being there. But if I'm looking for that guy that has that spike week potential in an offense that we know to be good, attached to a good quarterback, Michael Gallup fits that. So I'm saying Michael Gallup is going to be this year's Zay Jones for the 2023 season. Excellent, excellent. I like that you went uh, somebody I haven't heard in this segment yet before. So uh, you heard it here first from Chris Allen. Go get you some Michael Gallup. Now let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to the most accurate podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me is my excellent co-host, the marvelous Jen Akins. Jen, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. <laughs> um, I re, you know, re-entry. I, I went on a little vacay, uh, so I have a little, you know, little re-entry is is one of those things that's a, you know, Monday Monday slash re-entry. Uh, however, I'm good. Um, I can't really complain. I don't know. It's one of those things like, I'm just like, hmm, I, I, yeah, nothing good or bad. I'm medium. How are you, Brandon? You're medium. I like I'm it. Medium. I always think that like uh, words that I use a lot when I write is overwhelming and underwhelming. I always wonder what's just being whelmed. Like That's I'm just how whelmed. I feel. I feel whelmed at the moment. I'm That's whelmed. the way it goes. Uh, good evening to Mr. Scapers and Jamie, our friends who join us uh, weekly. It's very nice to see you in the chat. Uh, this week, we're excited to be joined by our great friend, former co-host and current analyst and content create coordinator at Fantasy Life, Chris Allen. Uh, you can you can and should definitely follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Read his stuff at FantasyLife.com. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I mean, it, we were talking, of course, before the show, and knowing like my uh, verbose rambling behind, I was keeping us from being on schedule and starting on time, which I apologize to all the listeners, but it's been, what, like four months since we've seen each other? Well, Jen, I got to see you on the live draft for SFB just a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago or whatever with TJ. But Brandon and I haven't seen you, our producer Sal. Like, I haven't been able to chit-chat and talk with you guys forever. So, but no, it's it's been great. I love being, being able to work over Fantasy Life. Things have been going very well. Hot best ball summer, new site design. I mean, all the things that have been going on in Fantasy Life, I encourage folks to go and check it out. But no, I'm excited to be able to come back and talk with you guys for an hour or so about Superflex, quarterbacks, pass over expectation. I mean, whatever we can talk about. It's just I'm happy to be back here on the 444 airwaves again. Just great to see you, man. We're going to talk quarterbacks, specifically Superflex leagues, as you alluded to. We were going to talk quarterbacks and thought, well, we got to get Chris back because Chris is my quarterback guy. Uh, before we get into that, I, I got to ask you a couple questions. Like you said, I haven't talked to you in a while. I know you're a home brewer. What are you brewing right now, buddy? So it's funny that you asked me that uh, because folks that don't know, I, I am a home brewer. I've been doing it for, uh, gosh, over like, like 10, 15 years now. And every year uh, in Cincinnati for the past like five or six years, uh, Joey Brumley, who the owner of HBYOB, Homebrew Your Own Beer here in Dayton, Ohio, uh, he and I, we've been going down to this brewing competition in Cincinnati every year. Uh, it's called Beer and Sweat, uh, hosted by the Blotarian Brewing League. They're out of like northern Kentucky, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and it's an absolute blast. Uh, if you're in the Cincinnati area, even if you don't 
brew. I would encourage folks to come out because you pay like 15, 20 bucks just to get in. And there are, let's say 70 ish taps that you can try for, I mean, for, like for the entire evening from like six, I think when they open, open up the grounds, like for anybody to come in until basically the kegs are empty. You can just sample any homebrew that you want, that you can sample the one that wins best in show or second best in show, which Joey won last year, or you can sample the ones that just win for their category, like best IPA, which yours truly won last there year. You go. So there just you go. anything that you would want to try from a homebrew standpoint, if that's something that you at least want to, you know, get a bit of be a part of the culture, try some craft brew for the evening i would encourage everybody to check out so beer and sweat uh it's in uh, cincinnati Ohio, just a little bit north of cincinnati in like the fairfield area at a campground but if you can go out there and do that i'll be entering two beers you know me i love my ipas i'll be doing a, like a uh it's more or less like my clone of uh the orange julius a beer that's made by uh treehouse brewery that's out that's out of like uh just not boston but like somewhere out like in massachusetts area and then also a i'm gonna try and do um it's either creamsicle or what else did i put oh i think it's a blonde a blonde ale i think that's the style that i put in but i gotta put in my recipes because it's like i gotta actually start brewing uh those recipes because the uh the competitions in just a few weeks so i gotta get on it for sure i'm excited i'm excited beer and sweat i'll have to look forward to that and if anyone wants to come and drink with me on a hot day you can have some sweaty beer which is nice too it's yeah. a little different uh not quite as tasty but i still recommend it uh one other question i gotta ask you chris i gotta ask you how the cincinnati Bengals are gonna do this year how bullish are you on your on your team this is your favorite team this is your opportunity to go full oh. home on us. oh man okay so i i'll be honest like I am, I, I try and be as, I mean, cause you know, like as, as like as analysts, people that work in sports media, like all this stuff, like we have to be as realistic and yeah. as possible about our teams. And I try to, cause uh, you guys know me, I'm, I'm as data driven as it, as it can be. But every time, and every time I look at the Bengals and how they stack up against the rest of the AFC North, I'm not going to lie. I, I am concerned, right? Cause you've got, the Browns with another se a full season with Sean Watson, the trade for, uh, I mean, for, for, uh, for Elijah Moore offensive line looking okay, but it's just like that offense looks like it's ready to take a step forward. Then you look at the Steelers already have a tough defense on top of that. Kenny Pickett, who can scramble as a quarterback. I'm sure his name will get brought up at some point in the show. Since we're talking quarterbacks, of course you got Deontay Johnson. Then the, regression because all the targets he got with no touchdowns. So he should be scoring more Pickens in another season. Uh, I mean, Pat Fryermuth. I mean, so also a solid offense with a good defense. So they could pick up some games. And of course, Baltimore, right? I was kind of hoping just for my Bengals sake that Lamar Jackson would leave when all those like deals and like, you know, the trade rumors and stuff were happening, but no, he stays and on top of that. They're looking like they're going to be a formidable passing offense. So it's just like the AFC North is tough, man. I'm still thinking <laughs> we'll come out on top. I still believe as a fan, but it's just every time I look at the rest of the team, and then not even to talk about uh, the Bills still being looking good. Miami, honestly, looking like one of the teams that I think have a decent shot to like make a deep run with their defense. Vic Fangio, there you go, buddy. If Tua stays healthy, so it's just. In the grand scheme of things, it's almost like, can I just take the Bengals and just move them to the NFC, anywhere in the NFC, and then I can just like <laughs> auto sim to the to the Super Bowl? Because I'm sure if they were just in the NFC, they would just like they would take everything down. Exciting, man! I'm excited for the Bengals. They should be a lot of fun to watch uh, this year. Uh, Jamie bullish on your Bengals and says not to worry about their favorite Browns team because of the history of sucking. And Fun Guy 2000, don't stop on my uh, surprise question I have for Chris later on, but I definitely anticipate Sam Howell's name coming up at some point. Um, let's get into it, Chris. I want to start with uh, an article that you wrote. I, I went over to FantasyLife.com, which I do far more frequently now that you're there than I used to. Not. Nothing against fantasylife.com, but, you know, Chris brings all the writers to the yard. That's how it goes. <laughs> so uh, over there, you uh, described pass rate over expectation. It's a great article. Check it out over at fantasylife.com if you can. Uh, can you give us just a brief rundown of pass rate over expectation? As brief as you're capable. I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> no, see, no, I'm, I can do this. I can do this briefly. Okay, so 
password over expectation. Uh, it's the difference between that. And I know even uh, TJ Hernandez, like here at 444, likes to use a slightly different stat, uh, which is neutral passing rate. So, and you can even define neutral passing rate in a couple different ways, right? You can say with using uh, the win percentage. So if you're between 20 and 80 in terms of your winning, per, uh, the, your expected win probability, uh, you can use that to say it's it's neutral. Or you can use just the score if it's within like six points or seven points. See, that's another way you can do it. Uh, the score differential to see if it's neutral passing rate. Uh, but neutral passing rate gives us a sense of what teams would prefer to do when the game isn't on the line, when they're not trailing. I mean, all the things that would help us figure out if it was just a normal game game scenario, what they would want to do. Would they want to pass? Would they want to pass deep? Would they want to run? Whatever. Password over expectation gives us a similar answer what teams would prefer to do but allows us to have more samples it allows us to look at more plays when we're trying to measure that particular variable let's think about it uh on the extremes how many times do you think in a game the the chiefs are going to be in a neutral situation in a game where they're going to be just only ahead by six or seven points not all that often because Patrick Mahomes or even like the, even the Eagles, right? They're beating the brakes off of everybody that they come across. And conversely, on the opposite side, look at the Arizona Cardinals offense this season. I mean, Colt McCoy is probably going to start. Don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. The offense doesn't look like it's going to be all that productive. So how often are they going to be within six or seven points of the team? How often are they going to be in a neutral situation? Probably not all that often. But password over expectation allows us to answer the same question about how a team would prefer to operate because it takes the uh, it takes a lot of the other variables into account, not just the score differential, which is a part of it, but also looking at what's the down and distance, uh, what is the it also takes score differential into account, like what uh, you know how far away from the goal line are you? Are you close to scoring, or are you back at your own twenty or backed up against your own goal line? So it allows us to have more samples to answer that same question. How do teams prefer to operate? Do they want to try and pound the rock? Or do they want to try and put the game into their quarterback's hands? And if we can do that, if we can understand like how teams and how offenses prefer to operate, then that's when we can start to make decisions from a fantasy standpoint and which teams that we would want to draft the quarterback, draft the pass catchers attached to that quarterback, and so on and so forth. Like That's where we had a better, a better understanding of Geno Smith and the Seahawks, and now we have a much more fruitful offense than what we typically would expect from a Pete Carroll-led offense uh, versus, let's say, again, on the flip side, now it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Josh Allen and uh, even Kirk Cousins now, like with Kevin O'Connell going to the Vikings. So pass rate over expectation, it gives us that same answer or that same sense of the same measure of who, which teams prefer to pass. But now we don't have to worry about, oh, but it's only in just this scenario. It's in just this time uh, time frame when the game is closer than uh, from a score perspective. Excellent. So normalizing the situation. I, I love this. I, yeah, I, this is fantastic. Go and check out that article. It's excellent. It's worth the read over at fantasylife.com. Uh, Chris Allen, also a great picture on the article. I'm just going to say, Chris, you look very astute, very knowledgeable, very, very oh, finger-ish. It's excellent. I, oh, man. Okay, so the story behind that was I hate taking pictures of myself. You can ask my wife. Uh, like any picture that the, of the, the, the just the two of us, she calls me a brat because like I'm always making some sort of funny face. I'm either have a drink in my hand. I'm making a like anything in order to not be serious taking a picture. But because it was supposed to be like my headshot for it, for joining fantasy life, I had to do something. I had to think of some way in order to have like look professional. And that's all I could come up with. And I gave him the picture and I was like, yeah, like, you know, I think this is a really good picture. You know, I think this, you know, I look very professional and all that. And Jordan Fiegelman, who's the content manager over at Fantasy Life, he was like, yeah, you're going to get roasted for this picture, but I'm going to use it. And after it's and not delightful, like, Chris. and not it's delightful. two minutes after they posted that picture, Marcus Grant, who also is a contributor at Fantasy Life, he said, congratulations, Chris. 
when is and also a uh, side question um when is your upcoming book signing um because he thought i looked like an author and i was like it does oh. it looks it looks very oh. academic my friend it's uh yeah. let's let's talk uh one quarterback leagues real quick we're, we're gonna this is gonna be mostly super flex and talk about super flex leagues but real quick i just want to ask you since you're my quarterback guy are you paying up this year for one quarterbacks because i've seen a trend of paying up the last couple years but it, i feel like it's deeper this year so i don't know what to do I am paying up with the sense that, yes, I will pay for one of the quarterbacks in the early rounds. So if we're using, let's say, underdog best ball as a baseline, I'm more willing than more often than not drafting a quarterback with one of my first six picks. But am I paying for the Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts tier of early round quarterbacks? No. The guy that I've been like, like more targeting than anything else is closer to like, let's say the Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert tier, which uh, so you can see what the difference is, right? Instead of paying, uh, you know, a, either first early, you know, late first or like a second round pick for that. I'm waiting until, let's say, four, five, six in order to pick up my quarterback, like that sort of thing, uh, just because there is a. Uh, looking at some of the sportsbook data that was available, looking at the implied team totals, you can see there's a similar implied total, average weekly total for some of the same offenses like the Chargers and the and the Ravens, as you would compare to, let's say, the Chiefs and the Bills. It's not that completely disparate between those two offenses. But yet, if you look at the ADPs associated with them, you're talking almost two to three rounds different from the Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts tier to the Justin Herbert, like Lamar Jackson tier, although like Lamar is kind of creeping up now with more hype around the offense. So I've looked at, I do, and I do like actually encourage folks to continue to pay or want to try and get in on these rushing quarterbacks the ones that are going to be putting up or be a part of offenses with high password over expectation but if i had to pick or try and tear them out i lean more towards you know justin herbert trevor lawrence like somewhere in there versus really paying up like that second third round type of price like for a quarterback Excellent. Lawrence has been a, a popular target amongst uh, the Sharps and the experts that I've seen noticeably. It's always hard this time of year. Jen, I know you and I talk about this a lot. It's always hard this time of year because we get in so many industry leagues where quarterbacks, like everybody plays quarterback chicken. So you're getting you're getting Trevor Lawrence in the 11th round and stuff like that. It's hard to check your expectations when you start getting into a little bit more of the redraft lobbies. Jen, are you expecting that you'll pay up for quarterback? Or are you going to be playing quarterback chicken? You are one of my favorite quarterback chicken players out there. I am usually a quarterback chicken player. It depends. So that league that you and I are drafting right now, you and I are playing yep. tight end chicken, and yep. you and I are the only ones left. I finally took Dulcich to the 12th. Oh, you did? Yep, finally took Dulcich to oh, the 12th. you sniped him. That's who I wanted. <laughs> We're in, what, the 12th round? Yeah, anyway, 12th round. Um, I am – this year I have to say I'm paying up a little bit. Like, Chris, for those middle, I don't think I'm going to pay up for Allen or, or Mahomes or, or Hurts, but – uh, you know, I think in that one we're talking about, I think I took Lamar. Um, I'll take that kind of second ish tier. Uh, if I don't take that tier, then I'll wait and then I will play chicken and I'll take Tua or cousins or someone like that later after everybody has already taken their quarterback. It depends on the format. Of course, we're going to be talking about super flex here soon and that's a whole different ball game. But if it's just your standard 12 team redraft, uh, I'll likely pay chicken depending on who I'm playing with. Yeah, excellent. It makes perfect sense. I've been kind of doing the same thing, targeting Justin Herbert. And then when I do play quarterback chicken, I grab Dak a lot because he's sliding a little further than I think he should. Um, Randy Miller, uh, thanks for listening. He's got a trade uh, discussion to discuss. Uh, redraft league, trading picks, picks 36 and 37 for picks 17. I like to put players assigned to that. So if I look at ADP, you're looking at like Tony Pollard, Garrett Wilson, for like Lamar Jackson, Jameer Gibbs, Joe Mixon, Debo Samuel. I think that's a win for you, Randy. I like uh, getting a couple good players in that 36-37 range. If it was a top 14 pick, maybe not. But I feel like there's a gap after you get past the A.J. Browns, Devontae Adams, and you go into that next Tony Pollard, Garrett Wilson section. So I'm okay with that trade. Uh, what do you think, Jen? I am. I'm like, like you said, it's tough to just look at the numbers and kind of know. But based on what you said, yes, I agree. 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, Chris, if, if you have notes on that, then that's fine. But I also want to get into your Superflex strategy because we're already running long, which always happens. So, yeah, I know. Uh, it's, it's because of me. Yeah, I, no, I know no, that. no. Yes, yes, yes. It's fine. Uh, let's talk uh, Superflex quarterback, two quarterback, or or two quarterback. Either way, if you want to discuss it um, specifically or, or differently or interchangeably. Uh, how does that change like with the paying up? And when are you targeting your first quarterback? When are you targeting that second quarterback? So for one QB leagues, it's a little bit easier to figure out like where a lot of the quarterbacks are going to fall just because the market is more or less already set. Best ball is now with it being so prevalent across this fantasy as a whole, like ADP and and the ADP trends are mostly set. And we know where most of the quarterbacks are going to go. Of course, with your own home league, things are going to change and all that. So it's easier for us to judge when we're going to start drafting. But with Superflex and two QBs, all most of that stuff just goes right out the window. I went to the live Scott Fishbowl draft like down in Cincinnati that was just a few weeks ago. Who boy, like that was I was just like, give me two quarterbacks. I don't care which two quarterbacks they are. And then I don't care like what happens afterwards. I don't care about the, you know, the extra points for points per first down. I'm not going to try and be strategic about the scoring setting. I know I just need two quarterbacks. And then afterwards, because I've been burnt so many times on having bad quarterbacks. I don't care. And that's the way a lot of folks approach those super flex leagues. They just want to have two starting quarterbacks because I know we're going to need them. And then afterwards they want to move on with the rest of their draft. And with the way, with the opportunity cost associated with those, that's where a lot of that's where I believe a lot of people wind up focusing a lot of their attention. You see that like in those drafts, it's that massive run of quarterbacks in the earlier parts of the first round. Once you get to the back end, people might change and try and take Justin Jefferson, the elites at each of the core positions, whether it's Justin Jefferson, whether it wind up being Christian McCaffrey or whatever, that's where the teardrop kind of breaks like there, like towards the back end of the first round. But if so, if I have an early round pick, in a super flex draft, I lend, I tend towards drafting quarterbacks and then just grabbing two and then moving on to the other positions. But if I do have a later pick, that's where understanding the teardrops that occur, like once you get towards the back end, like I'm not going to select, let's say, who's past two, like maybe Geno's, if it's a Geno Smith versus Justin Jefferson. I'm probably taking Justin Jefferson. If it's if it's Matt Stafford versus CMC, I'm going to take CMC. If that's how many quarterbacks have come back around, like to, at least at my pick. So depending on league size, depending on which quarterbacks are available and comparing them to the running backs and wide receivers available at the same time, that's where if you have a later pick, you just might have to make that decision based off of your own tiers and rankings. Jen, where do you target uh, the quarterback position? Because like I said, you like me, I tend to kind of wait on quarterback. I tend to see what kind of value I get. Uh, where are you targeting your first and second quarterbacks in the super flex or two quarterback formats? So it's interesting what Chris mentioned with, with Scott Fishbowl in particular. So I, Chris, was on the back end. I was in the 12 spot. Um, and with that particular draft, it's a third round reversal. So I pushed quarterback. I was like, screw it. I'm not. I'm not reaching for Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson here. I'm taking Cooper Cup and I'm taking, you know, Justin Jefferson or whatever it was. I'm not, you know, and then when it came back, uh, I took, I actually didn't even take it at the third. I waited till the fourth uh, and took uh, Anthony Richardson. But if it's just a regular old super flex league with no third round reversal and I'm in the back end, then I will at least grab one. I will grab one of kind of the elite. But just like Chris said, I'm not going to take you know, Kirk Cousins over, you know, Cooper Cup or whatever. I'm just not going to do that because I do feel like there is value in the mid to later quarterbacks there. But if I am in the front of the draft, I will definitely take one of the top guys. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's positional, like where you are in that draft. If I'm on the back end, I would rather scoop up the value of the positional guys and kind of push quarterback. Because when you look at projected points, I mean, yes, the, the top, you know, five quarterbacks or whatever are heads and tails. And then once you get to that middle section and even the, you know, even into the QB2 territory, they're kind of split by what, 10 points, 15 points over the course of the season. I would so much rather have an elite guy at a position than, you know, a middle of the road guy at QB just to have them. Yeah, Jamie Perogue sounds similar, likes those top elite players, uh, talks about Mahomes and Hurts definitely going as the top two. I tend to kind of feel the same way. I'll take those elite guys, but I feel like Superflex and two quarterback leagues are painful regardless because either you're taking 
you know, somebody like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence over Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, or you're waiting and then you have to take Kenny Pickett over, you know, Chris Godwin. And then and it makes you feel so sad inside. Yeah. But, but you know what? Fun. Everyone's in the league. same boat. So you have yeah. to remember that. Like, it's there's true. nobody that's getting away with, like, if you're in the, the one spot and you take Allen or Hertz, whichever is your preference, like, most likely you're going to wait and then your second quarterback is going to be a scrub anyway, you know, unless you, because you're just going to give up so much at the other positions if you. You take one on the way back. That's true. Let's uh let's stop for a question real quick. Greg Barry, uh, thanks for joining us talking about second tier running backs. Uh concerned about uh the second tier of running backs with the Jacobs situation, Ramondre Stevenson having competition now, the rookie Jameer Gibbs. Uh, are you happy with the risk of that tier and missing out on a Jalen Waddle type? Is what Greg says. Uh quickly, I'll say I actually kind of like the third tier running backs this year. I really like guys like Khalil Herbert and guys like Rashad White, who is some for some reason being drafted a couple rounds later than I think he should. Uh, so I'm okay for going that whole area of the running back, going wide receiver early and then just pounding running back in the middle rounds. Uh, Chris, how do you find yourself addressing the running back situation? Yeah, for that uh, for that specific area of the draft specifically, um, I've been leaning more towards the wide receivers just because as I, and especially Waddle for sure, because I know that Waddle gets the he gets the wide receiver two tag because he is technically the wide receiver two like for the Miami Dolphins, 20, 21 percent like target share last season. But if you look at how often he's targeted, it is literally just him and Tyreek Hill like that is it. Like between at least for you know for majority of the passes from from Tua Tungo Vailoa. Mike Gusecki managers agree with you on this. Exactly. So. <laughs> Even though I still remember arguing with Jen about Mike Gusecki and that that didn't work out. And who Jen, was right? Jen wins that. I, Jen, Jen wins that. Right. Was right. Jen was right. <laughs> Are you? I, I bet you're. I bet you're drafting him now in the Patriots, aren't you, Chris? Hunter no, I'm not. I'm drafting Hunter Henry. Oh, yeah. ah, me too, go. though. Touchdown yeah. guy. Got to yeah. go for the touchdown. I like touchdowns. If I took Henry and Scott Fishbowl in like the 18th round or something. I did too. Yeah. Nice. Uh, but uh, but for those running backs, so for the Josh Jacobs, for Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Najee Harris, uh, for for certain, I think for those like three or four guys, I'm trying to think of arbitrage like type situations for running backs that are being drafted later as a way for me to avoid them, add more wide receiver depth uh, to my squad and not have to worry about either starting them on a weekly basis or even if we're talking about from a best ball standpoint, what is their projected output? related to the opportunity costs associated with drafting them because like could i get joe mixon a couple rounds later to Ramondre stevenson and potentially get similar production not saying that they're a better that, that uh, joe mixon is a better running back than Ramondre stevenson i know Ramondre stevenson was first or second in yards after contact per attempt force missed tackle rate all the running back metrics that you would want out of a out of running back but from a spike week potential from a target share potential, all the stuff that we care about for fantasy, can Joe Mixon wind up having a similar output to Ramondre Stevenson despite being drafted a couple rounds later? Yes. And especially now with the implied odds for Dalvin Cook signing with the Patriots, I can look at Joe Mixon and say, well, I can just wait a couple of rounds and get Joe Mixon. Or instead of, you know, Najee Harris, can I just wait maybe one and a half, one and a half rounds or two rounds later and get Kenneth Walker? And, you know, and actually wind up with a similar type, actually a better running back from a boom bust potential, uh, who's probably not going to catch as many passes as Najee Harris. But if I'm looking for a guy that can still carry the rock, have similar efficiency, hopefully Kenneth Walker picks that up in his second year. Uh, but also once they get into the red zone, he's going to be the guy that they lean on. So I'll take that or even, I mean, there's one guy I know that works at 4 for 4 who's a Packers fan. Gosh, I can't remember what his name is, but I know he's been pounding the table for one Aaron Jones. So if we also want that pass catching upside, I know that he's getting a bit long on the tooth, Aaron Jones. So just like looking at those arbitrage situations of guys that can still have early down and pass catching role upside, but doesn't have to have that second or third round price tag. And so for those three situations in particular, Mondre Stevenson, uh, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, if I want to find guys that can get similar production that can are but are going two to three rounds later, those are three running backs. I mean, if you want to throw Alexander Madison in the on the list too, three or four running backs like right off the rip that can have a similar projected uh, touch share on a weekly basis to those guys, and I don't have to draft them in the second or third round. Yeah, I love that tier of running backs that you're talking about, that area that you can go beyond the second tier for the same reasons that you just brought up. So hopefully that's helpful for you, Greg. Let's get back to quarterbacks. Jen, I wanted to ask you, uh, 
when's it time to panic? Because for me, it's like when when Kirk Cousins and Tua go, that's when I start going, oh, no, I waited too long. When is it time to panic in a Superflex League? In a Superflex League, yeah. If you don't have... Well, if you don't have one quarterback by then, then you're absolutely yep. panicking. But I think <laughs> if you're, if you get, you know, in QB twoville, I think, I don't know if it's full panic. If you have a good, like I said earlier, if you have a top tier guy, if you have an Allen, a Hurts, a Mahomes, whatever, even Lamar in, in that tier, then I wouldn't completely panic. Cause then you can kind of wait and, and get a rookie. You can get Stroud or you can get young and you can kind of, you know, you can get Sam Howell, one of those guys later on that, may pan out they may not you know you can also get you know rogers and stafford which are going past where you just said uh and and get boring but possibly consistent so uh i don't know about full panic if you have no quarterbacks then yes you need to take you need to double tap and 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 forget about everything else at that point i start pounding aaron Rodgers and kenny pickett and sam howell and all that stuff uh so i was going to do this later but because we got a question about this player i'm going to ask my double secret proba- probation question that i had uh in store uh chris i have a lot of sam howell okay. and a lot of a lot of desmond ritter in dynasty leagues i have oh, those boy. two i need one of them to hit chris i really do and i feel like these two players are the most um I don't know, mystery box, like what's behind the curtain <laughs> players, right? Because we be don't both. know, right? Right. They're both starting. They're both going to start probably week one. That's all indications are that they seem to have a, a lock on the week one starting job. Uh, but we don't know how they're going to do. They might have a really short leash. Uh, the draft capital isn't so big that they won't abandon it midship. So I'm just curious what your take is on your boy, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati and Sam Howell, who looks exciting to me so what's your take he could be fine uh so let's start with ritter uh no question about his leash right it's not like they drafted a separate uh, a different starter there was no like rg3 kirk cousins type situation with the falcons drafting ritter uh and then on top of that uh, they haven't brought in uh, like any of the free agent quarterbacks of hey, note, right? Hey, careful, there's there's some Taylor Heineke fans out there. Who that, might that is stick true. Umbridge with what you had to say there, Chris. I don't know. I mean, Taylor Heineke, while like cool story, hope the kid has a long and productive career as a backup. But you can't tell me that his pop gun arm is going to sit there and like take out like <laughs> Desmond Ritter. And I, I just I just can't see it. I mean, good for a backup. But no, let's let's not do this. Let's just not take it where it doesn't need to go, guys. Uh, but for for Ritter particularly, uh, we saw after he was start he started over Marcus Mariota that his vision or not his um, Arthur Smith's vision for the offense like start to take shape. Uh, uh, their rushing expectation, their success rate started to pick up. We saw Drake London really start to come into form. Uh, he started to have like the target share that he was already accruing, but also the efficiency that went with it. And then, of course, like the hope is that he brings along Kyle Pitts, like in the, in like with that offense as well. So all of those things, I think he operates the offense like as intended. Now, is that going to be conducive to fantasy scoring? Well, probably not, because this is still an offense that was 31st in pass over expectation. They spent what was it the sixth overall pick on Bijan? Was it six or seven? Yeah, should should be the Bijan Robinson show. Yeah, right. Top ten. You could just say top ten pick. That top ten pick on Bijan, but then also having Tyler Algier there, they can do all sorts of, and still having CPAT there as well, they can do all sorts of funky stuff. Like when it comes to the running game, whereas their offense from a passing standpoint is still going to be relatively limited. All right, it's just. It's Drake London, it's Kyle Pitts, and then of course they have like Mac Hollins. So it's like, what do you really expect from a creativity standpoint? So I'm hey expecting now. Mac yeah, Hollins. Yeah, you're crapping on he, all my guys here. Mac Hollins is, Mac is, Hollins is friend of the show. That is, well, <laughs> I, I'm just saying from a creativity standpoint, what can we really expect? That's all I'm saying. Uh, so I would say that Desmond Ritter, like he'll be fine from a football standpoint, but with the offense that he's a part of, it's difficult for me to say that he's going to be fantasy productive. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London are going to get theirs, but outside of that, it's like a light, light version of the Eagles, right? We know that the Eagles want to try and run as much as possible, but if you already have a relatively limited quarterback, relatively limited passing squad, uh, without having like the really high, high end pass catchers to create after the catch, we can't expect much like from the quarterback. That's that's really per, like driving most of that production. But now let's switch tracks to the commanders. 
the, there might be something there with Sam Howell. And maybe I'm just wish casting because we only have what, that one game. Was it week 17, week 18? Oh, yeah. Uh, came against, and beat those Cowboys. Yeah, so he Washington beat the Cowboys. Love this kid. So. Only like, what, like 19 attempts or something like that. And they ran in two touchdowns. He ran in two touchdowns. So that's where I think that's where he becomes interesting from a fantasy standpoint. Because if you have a quarterback that already has the scrambling capability or that that's a part of their their mental processing, like when it comes to analyzing each play, because if things start to break down, they know that they can actually use their legs in order to run. Can't do it all that effectively, but if he still can, does have the inclination to run, that's what we want for fantasy. Scrambles are more efficient than taking a sack. Actually, from data that I pulled from Sports Info Solutions, the average pass from Patrick Mahomes generated 0.18 EPA per attempt. Using all of the quarterbacks that scrambled last year, their collective EPA per scramble was 0.21. So a scramble was actually more effective than a Patrick Mahomes pass. Think about that for a second. That's so wild. If, so if Sam Howell can do that, then, okay, we've, we're cooking with gas already. If he has... Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson in year two, and Curtis Samuel, and we'll see what happens with Logan Thomas. They still keep him. Antonio Gibson, who can be an efficient pass catcher. You've got those options in front of you. Also sounds good. And also, taking a look at how Eric Bieniemy operated the Kansas City Chiefs offense in Patrick Mahomes' first full season as a starter. The Chiefs, and also with Andy Reid, of course, like it's hard to separate like what Bieniemy's contributions were. But that first season with Patrick Mahomes as the starter, the Chiefs had, they were top five, top six in play action rate. Now, of course, having Patrick Mahomes being the one doing it, of course, is obviously going to change our complete, uh, I guess, belief about how play action works. But, but that, would, look, that should help Powell, though, right? Because yes. he's got a stronger running game behind him and he's going to be less likely to draw that um, that free safety, right? Exactly. And play action, just as a play design itself, is one of the more efficient efficient concepts like in the league. It's almost like a cheat code for quarterbacks, having them... Tannehill made the, a career out of it. I mean, yeah, that's sadly, that's how he revived his career, like going from Miami to Tennessee. So if all those elements kind of pull together, right? You have Sam Howell being a scrambler. You've got... This awesome passing uh, passing tree with, uh, you know, Dotson, McLaurin, Samuel, Gibson, Logan Thomas and all that. And you also got Biennemi, who we've seen, I guess, of course, he worked with the best quarterback of all time or one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But at least being able to work with and build up a quarterback and use his uh, his concepts in order to bring something over to the, the Washington Commanders. It all kind of fits to Sam Howell. There could be something there. Again, maybe I'm just wish casting, but at least all the data kind of points in that direction. So I'm like a low key draft guy. I, I I love the draft, and whether I'm right or wrong, I I I am usually at least well researched with my draft stuff. And I looked took a look at my Sam Howell pre draft notes, and I said a better Baker Mayfield is what I said. That's so not bad. That was my note, and that's pretty good. Like I said, a better, more athletic Baker Mayfield. So I kind of. I kind of like how I'm kind of interested. Jen, are you interested in Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter at all in two quarterback leagues? Obviously in one quarterback format, you're not going that deep, but in two quarterback leagues, if one of those is your second quarterback, are, are you feeling positive or optimistic at all? I I'd say I'm more in the QB three range for those guys, like in a super flex as kind of my backup. I'd rather have, <clears throat> one of those kind of middle tier guards as my QB two. And then uh, Sam, how I'm not really excited about Ritter. I, I don't, he just doesn't do it for me. So of those two, I do prefer how hoping that that rushing, you know, rushing upside that we talked about early uh, earlier comes through. I mean, we, you know, we saw such a limited sample, but, uh, and I'm not opposed to drafting Jacoby Brissett in the final round of a super flex either. So sure. Sure. I, I'll tell you what you talk about play action, Chris, like that Atlanta offense. I think Desmond Ritter is going to run play action like 50% of the time. <laughs> oh, they they had like an absurd play action rate last season. It was like just north of 40%, if I remember right. And like the league average was, I think the next highest was like 20 to 25% somewhere in there. Arthur Smith, man, Arthur Smith. Uh, Jen, have you ever played in a triple flex or a three quarterback lead, a, a league with uh, a quarterback in two super flex spots? I don't think so. I saw that question on your sheet and I was like, you know, I feel like I've done everything, but I don't know if I've done that. I don't think so. I've played in a couple of those. They're fun, but boy, those quarterbacks fly off. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're talking Geno Smith in the second round. It's, uh -huh. it's crazy. Chris, have you, have you played in a league like that? Nope. And I have no desire to figure <laughs> that out. I don't, I don't, I don't want that. If I have to, 
like if I have to hope uh like if I have to hope I'm drafting Mac Jones or Bryce Young or something, I, I I just can't will myself to do that. I fo- fantasy football should be fun, <laughs> and I shouldn't have to like just pray and hope that one of these quarterbacks that you know you would never want to start in a super flex or one QB league get back to you. If if they are the linchpin to your squad. I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want that team. I don't want to be in that league. I just don't want that. It's fun. It's fun. You guys are a bunch of po- party poopers. That's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't want it. I just said I've never done it. Party pooper. True, That's okay. True. You're right, Jen. I, I, that was I more directed toward Chris. Jen, you are the party adder, yes. not the party pooper. That's, I'll be a party pooper. The, is that the alternate to the party pooper? Party adders or something better than that? Party. I, what I would be the, what would be the antonym to that? I don't know. Right. I don't it's gotta know. be something. But <laughs> uh, Jen, what are you? What are some of your favorite second tier quarterback options? We've been asking you about players and when to take them. Which are the ones that you actually are targeting as your your second tier? Like um, once you get out of those top five, there's that big grouping of quarterbacks. Who are you targeting in that group? Well, it depends on the format, of course, scoring whatnot. But you know, I'll take Daniel Jones. I'll take Geno. I'll take Kirk. Uh, Tua, of course. Tua scares me a little bit, but I do. I will take him. Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's guys that I won't take. I'm not loving Russell Wilson. I will take him. Uh, he burnt me a lot last year. I won't take Deshaun Watson just because I won't take Deshaun Watson. But um, you know, and then once we get to that kind of that next tier down, you know, Jared Goff, not sexy, but I'll take him. You know, Stafford, same thing. Like not super exciting. But uh, I will take him. Yeah, we had Adam Hutchinson on last week, and he thought Matthew Stafford was probably a pretty good value at this point, you know, coming back from that injury. So. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things you just don't know. I, I will also, if it's a deep super flex, I, you know, I'll totally homer it out and take Stetson Bennett just in case. Sure, just for fun. Hey, you got to you got to have those homer picks. Got to have fun with that. So yeah, I was you know the my very last. So I was like I said for Scott Fishbowl, I was in the twelve spot. So I had the very last Mister Irrelevant pick. And I was so close to taking Stetson Bennett, but then I realized that Gardner Minshew was still there, and I had Richardson, and I was like, you know what? I oh yeah, he's yeah. still there. I have to take him, and I can. I'll drop him later if Richardson is fine and starts. But um, I was bummed because I kind of wanted Bennett just to, ha- you know, just to say I took him, but uh, I did. I couldn't do it. I still think Minshew is going to mine some value this year. I think he's going to be a very good streaming option occasionally. It's just kind of, I think he'll start. And I, I, Anthony Richardson, I'm sure has a wonderful bright future, but I think early returns, I think we're going to see some Gardner Minshew. Uh, Chris, what are your favorite second tier quarterback options? I'm talking that in between deep sleepers and the top of the, the creme de la creme. What are the second tier guys that you like? You've mentioned that you're, that that's kind of the area of the draft you are looking at. So who, who do you like? Yeah. Uh, and just to like put a, pin on or just to like, go back on that anthony richardson point for i don't know who took over my job as the quarterback streamer writer uh but i would say that they faced the jaguars and texans in their first two weeks of the season ah so i believe it's justin that is going to take over your role oh yeah i'll see him at the expo here in a couple of weeks so i'll just let him know so that i'll just give him the, his first two weeks there you go like there are your nice. first two articles <laughs> of the season i bequeath to you the quarterback streaming column. There you go. Uh, for the second tier of quarterbacks. So I, if I'm thinking about this correctly, second tier, where are you thinking? Like from Daniel Jones-ish like on down? Oh, no, I'm, what, I, I'm talking I like Herbert to to like down into that second tier, right? Oh, that's well, I skipped tier. that. I started with Jones on my you, answer. Yeah, so okay. back up. You kind of yeah. answered both though, Jen. Okay. You kind of went yeah. in there. So okay. So <laughs> I've been I've been looking at so like the Tua Kirk Cousins have been like my my two main guys, Tua Cousins and Dak. Like those have been my three out of out of that group. Uh, for all I mean, all the like similar reasons that we've been discussing so far. I mean, all a part of offenses, these Tua and Kirk are part of offenses that are on the positive side from a passer over expectation standpoint. Uh, last season with Kevin O'Connell coming over like to the Vikings from that Sean McVay tree, fifth, sixth in passer of expectation. We saw Justin Jefferson have this ridiculous season minus completely showing up as like a dud in week 17 when everybody needed the most when they played the Packers. But I'm not still bitter about it. It's fine. I didn't need to win that championship <laughs> anyway. I didn't care about that. Look, look I owe Zay Jones 
like and his family apologies for what for for the things that came out of my mouth when he destroyed me in the playoffs last year. I was already <laughs> mad because I had Jalen Hurts in my squad and he was injured at the same time. I'm like, well, it's okay. I've got Gardner oh, Minshew no. and I've got Justin Jefferson going. I've got a shot at winning this championship. Why don't I have any points? Oh no. What happened? <laughs> yeah. But still, I'm fine. But the for the Vikings in general, uh, one of the things I did find in that password over expectation piece, go and check it out on fantasylife.com. Uh, one of the big sticking points uh, for it for password over ex- expectation to be sticky year over year, it's not just the quarterback has to stay with the team. It, it's a personnel, it's a coaching philosophy type of thing that winds up keeping that staying static like from year over year. That's why the Chiefs have been number one, number two in passer of expectation since Mahomes in there, because it's been him, it's been Andy Reid, it's been Travis Kelsey. I mean, that that triumvirate stays in place, then you're good. Same thing with the Bengals. You got Burrow, you get you already had T. Higgins in place and Tyler Boyd, you had Jamar Chase, you get the Bengals that you see today. And that's why that has stayed in place. And so with the Vikings, you see them come out last season, top five, top six in passer of expectation. You still got Kevin O'Connell, you still got Kirk Cousins, you still got Justin Jefferson. And of course, the one pick that they had in the top 100 for last year because they spent that second rounder to get tj hawkinson what did they spend it on jordan freaking addison even though jordan addison is kind of a dummy when he gets behind the wheel that's a whole (laughs) other story right now but hope everyone's safe i I hope hope everyone stays safe yeah yes but the team wants to continue this like they've said with their wallet they want to continue this pass happy pass friendly type of offense and the same thing with tua what did the team do after they squandered their first round pick on trying to do stuff with Tom Brady and like all this other stuff, like just nonsense over the off season, but what did they spend it on? Did they spend it on rebuilding the offensive line? Did they spend it on a cornerback? Did they spend it on like anything else that could have helped their team? Well, yeah, they, I think they did the offensive line thing, but they also spent it on Devon Chain, right? Another pass catching running back. So they also want to continue to invest in this pass friendly, pass first like type of offense. So those two guys uh, for, for certain and Dak, because we know that he can still have that top 12 type outcome on a week to week basis. Those three guys uh, have been like my, my preferred picks with Geno Smith also coming in there for, for similar reasons, Kirk Cousins, right? top 10 and uh, password of expectation for the Seahawks. You got DK Metcalf in place. Tyler Lockett's still there, even though he's getting a little bit older. And what did they do? Go out and draft Jackson Smith and Jigba. Again, the team telling us that they want to build around like this quarterback, the build around like this pass friendly type of offense. So those four-ish guys have been my preferred quarter. Once you get into that second tier of guys, I don't want to try and spend – uh, for Deshaun Watson, for obvious reasons, but also just because if I want to look at comparing offenses and comparing projected output on a week-to-week basis, can I tell myself a story of being able to get similar output to Deshaun Watson as I could with Kirk Cousins, as I could with Tua, as I could with Geno, as I could with Dak? I'd say yes on a week-to-week standpoint. Overall, throughout the season, things might change and all that, but at least if I'm looking at it from right now, I think I can get similar production. Unless we just think... Deshaun Watson, the Browns about about to have this otherworldly, ungodly like type of uh, type of season, but I that again, might happen. I'm not betting on it. I'm oh, I can't bet on it because that it means my, happen, it means but... something terrible has happened to my Bengals, and I just can't bring myself to do it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're, we're running on time, and I want to play one little game where we rapid fire later, but just real quickly, um, last late rounds. One quarterback you're leaving your draft with, Chris, like somebody in those super flex leagues, your QB three that you've got on all your rosters. Jordan Love. Ah. Uh, that, that's that's the guy I've been I would draft. I think Brock Purdy is too much of a gimme answer just because with the injury timeline and all that, most people have been targeting him. Uh, but I've been looking at Jordan Love. Uh, I'm not that upset looking at some of the passing statistics that I saw just pulling from that one game remember that one random game that he started when Aaron Rodgers was out because he misled the you know the league about you know his vaccinations and immunization and all that jazz yeah i remember that uh but also that was the same game where his they were playing against the chiefs and his mom was like you know all the way out in timbuktu like sitting in the stands or whatever uh but in that game uh jordan love his password over expectation was minus 3% and remember that minus 3% and then shove that aside but also uh, he had a 10% scrambling rate, which we already talked about scrambles being efficient. Uh, but then also on top of that, he didn't have like the explosive nature. He didn't have like, well, he did have Devonte Adams, 
The rest of the receiving core wasn't as great. Robert Tunyon was out, even though we didn't care a ton about Tunyon at that point in his career. But now look at the passing core. Christian Watson, uh, they tack on Jaden Reed, who's all, who's already going to be their starting slot wide receiver. Romeo Dobbs is still there. I mean, that Luke Musgrave, Aaron Jones. I mean, that offense as a whole looks much better. Uh, but also that minus, going back to that minus three passer of expectation. Last season, Aaron Rodgers, last season with the Packers, his password over expectation throughout the entirety of the 2022 season was actually minus 3%. The offense has now started to shift towards something that fits into where Jordan Love is as a passer at this point. So as long as he's still scrambling, as long as the offense is now moving at his pace and he still has all the weapons there in front of him in order to do that, it's not a bad pick as, as of right now for at least as far as late rounds go and being able to play against the Vikings twice, same team that allowed the think they was either the eighth most or 10th most like QB one performances last season. Uh, yeah, it's not, not a bad way to go about drafting uh, like this, a QB three it's either him or Kenny Pickett, but I like love. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, interesting that his ADP hasn't risen, like given the upside there. I'm just surprised that he's still being drafted around uh, the bottom fourth of, of the league, which is very interesting to me. Uh, Jen, who's a deep sleeper that you're not you're leaving all your drafts with? I actually like love as well. I'm going to go. I don't know about a deep sleeper like in name, but. Oh, sure. Yeah, we all know that in today's but, world, like right. sleeper doesn't mean anything. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not a sleeper in name and, or anything like that. But Stafford, I just feel like we talked about him earlier. Nobody's drafting him. He has, you know, arguably the best one of the top three wide receivers in the league uh, on his team. You know, that offense just, you know, only one season removed from being really good and winning a Super Bowl, really. So, um, you know, if he, if he's healthy, I don't think that uh, he's fallen off a cliff yet. I think he's got a little bit, little bit more in the tank. Um, and his, you know, his ADP. I mean, he's what quarterback? Let's he's see, being drafted 20. like he's not. Coming oh, he's back, like basically. yeah, it's like in the twenties. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, not as my QB one by any means, but QB two Stafford. I love it. I think that's great. Okay, we're gonna do a legitimate uh, rapid fire. Chris, rapid fire. All right. This you got to remind me that it's rapid fire. <laughs> so this is a game that Jen came up with a long time ago and I like to play. It's called fool me twice. And we're going to play two different iterations of it. Okay. Uh, one is someone that uh, ruined you once and you're never going back to the well because of the, the Ooh, of it. Good. and then the other one is someone who may have ruined you before, but you're going to get fooled again. Like you're still, you're still um, in on them. So let's start with a quarterback you've been in on in the past and you're not going back to the well on this year. Chris rapid fire. Derek Carr. I can't Derek do it. Carr. Can't Derek do it. Carr. You can't do it, even in a new setup. Oh, nope, I don't care. Uh, Chris Chris Olave, that, that great. I mean, oh, you know, one of my Buckeyes. That's, that's cool and all that. Uh, but uh, no, I cannot. No, I Excellent. Excellent. I can. You know, if this was wide receivers, Michael Thomas would have been my uh, – never going back to the well for like yeah. three years running. So I, would, I yeah, think I that's, I think that's a pretty consensus. Like I can't, I don't know who's taking him in these drafts. Yeah. It's like 10th round. Like, yeah, get, I don't know who's, yeah, I don't know who's, who's clicking that button for Thomas, but it's not me. Hey, me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen, uh, rapid fire. Who's, uh, who are you not going back to the well on this year? It's interesting. So I know that I'm going to be the reverse Chris and I'm going to actually talk or reverse of what I normally am. I'm actually going to talk for a second. Um, Ooh, I'll put myself because, on. I will hey. say this when, when I saw that question, I'm looking at the list. I'm like, you know, this is a weird year because there's a lot of fresh faces. Like there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot to pick from in the going back to the well. I know that's crazy, but there's a lot of young guys and unproven. You got Howell and love and, and then all the rookies and it, it was weird. But so I went with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, oh, okay. I just, I don't know. You know, I understand DeAndre Hopkins is there now and everyone's excited, but eh, you know, he's got it rushing upside too, but eh, I just, I don't know. He doesn't excite me. He's 34. They may, you know, if, if they lose a lot, they may, you know, go off of him at some point in the beginning of the season. And I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't click that button. I will say per over the cap, the Titans could save $27 million off the cap if they cut Ryan Tannehill before the season starts and they do have well leave us. I'm just saying, I, I'm sure, I, you know, he probably would have been cut by now. I'm not saying, but, you know, I'm just. I have to believe that me. with them signing DeAndre Hopkins that, like, Will Levis can't be on the table, right? Like, DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to sign there if they, if they told him. Because I, I feel like Vrabel is a straight up enough dude that he would have been like, yeah, you know, if 
things just aren't going well, yeah, we might have to start the kid. Like, I feel like if he had just said that, then Nuke wouldn't have signed. But that is one very good reason why Ryan Tannehill will be on the roster. Um, I'm just saying Tennessee also has 27 million reasons to not have not him on him. the roster. I'm just no. saying. No, he'll probably make the roster. Everything's fine. But I'm with you, Jen. I'm not going back to the wall on Ryan Tannehill. I also uh, am not going back to the wall on Russell Wilson. I had him a lot last year. I don't care if Sean Payton makes him uh, back to an elite fantasy quarterback. It's going to be on somebody else's roster. I'm not doing it again. He ruined all my years last or all, all my rosters last year. <laughs> I don't think I don't think elite is is going to be an adjective there. I mean, he may bring him back to like normal and and okay yeah. and serviceable, but I don't think Russell Wilson and elite are ever going to be in the same conversation. Yeah, I'm just too many Jared memes. Stidham. That's what I'm doing. I'm drafting Jarrett Stidham. That's like, remember? Did you guys see the meme about the guy that charted the the toilets in his house versus yeah. number of touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That's the best. Like for all the data nerds out there, that is the best data visualization I've seen just like in, in my lifetime. Yeah. That was, that was Amazing. Great. Every week, still not yeah. the same amount of touchdowns as bathrooms in his house. Yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, Amazing. just absolutely wonderful. Amazing. Um, So let's uh flip it here, Chris. Let's go. This is somebody you were in on in the past who may have disappointed you, but you're going back. You're going back to him this time. No, we're talking about Tannehill. I, I'm going to have to go with Tannehill on, on this one. Just oh! Because, like, go they, they, they've already got Traylon Burks. Everybody loves Burks. They signed DeAndre Hopkins. Even they had, what, uh, Derrick Henry hit career highs in targets last season and was actually productive with most of them, too. So if they've got at least two pass catchers, uh, we'll see like what happens with Chiggy and all that. I think Tanny could be useful. Like He could be that, not QB3, because we were talking about like Jordan Love, Matt Stafford. But like QB four, if you like, wait, 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 wait for quarterback, Tannehill's not a bad option. Yeah, you know, he used to have a nice play action efficiency thing. I'm not a Tannehill fan, but you do you, Chris. I'm not going to argue with you too all much. Right. Jen, uh, how about you? I'm going with one Aaron Rodgers. Ah, okay, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I mean, last year was rough, right? He lost to Monte Adams. He really didn't have anything in the talent department. Uh, last year to work with. I mean, he did, but not not what he was used to, right? Not like Adams, yeah. Right. Not like Garrett Wilson. <laughs> right. So now he has Garrett Wilson. He has his, you know, his buddies uh, that they brought over and whatnot. So, you know, he's 39. He he may, you know, his arm may fall off this year. But for where he's being drafted, I'm in. You know, 10th round ADP, QB 15, sure. As you said, doesn't cost a whole lot. Not not a terrible option. I'm with you. Um, I'd say Justin Herbert, you know, his ADP is plummeted compared to what it was last year. Last year, you were drafting him among the big three, right? It was Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert. In super flex leagues, you had to take Herbert top three, sometimes top one. It just depended on uh, your league mates. I live in Oregon, so if you wanted Justin Herbert, it was the first pick in super flex leagues in every single league. So uh, I, I like him. I think he was hurt last year. I think that... Uh, they're, they've got some coaching changes that I'm excited about, bringing in Kellen Moore at the offensive coordinator position, Quentin Johnston in the first round. They still got Austin Eckler over there scoring an unreasonable amount of touchdowns for an inexplicable reason. Uh, I'm excited. I'm still drafting Justin Herbert, and you can get him in like the fifth round. So I, I, I like that. You could stack him up with some of his other options there. Um, that's all I got this week. I, I'm trying to keep us on time here. Thanks to everybody for listening in the chat. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. I listeners should read everything Chris puts out on Fantasy Life. Definitely follow him on Twitter at Chris Allen FFWX. Chris, any final thoughts or plugs before we let you go? No, it was just so wonderful to see you guys. I'll be quite honest. Uh, it was awesome seeing TJ and Jen a few weeks ago from SFB uh, on the on the live podathon. Being able to hang out with you guys again. Uh, you guys know I'll always come back whenever I can. Uh, but no, at Fantasy Life. Go check out the site. Uh, the password over expectation article is out. Also, my new weather article uh, research piece is out uh, over on the site too. So some of the stuff that I'd done for 4.4 back in the 2017, 2018 timeframe, like revamped it, right? Looked at some more advanced metrics, added in password over expectation, completion percentage over expectation, a couple other metrics just to really flesh out what matters when it comes to win. So if you get a chance to take a look at that research piece when you head on over to fantasy life check that one out too awesome thank you so much chris jen any final thoughts or plugs before we go not really just the use plenty of content at four for four uh, if anyone wants to check out we have a new well i have i guess it's we but me uh, a new newsletter the deep dive fantasy newsletter uh it you was once a, a week it is what yeah it's now two what? days a week it's yeah it's tuesdays and thursdays 
Uh, it's the bet spurts. It's the deep dive fantasy newsletter. Uh, it's fun for me because I get to be creative and not do the same, you know, same articles I've been writing at 444 for a century at this point. So it's something new and fun. And so that comes out every Tuesday and Thursday for now. I think it's going to be every day during the season, but I don't think I'm going to be writing it every day during the season. But what's we the name see- of the newsletter? Is it like Geekin with Eakin? No, it's I like it. no, it's the deep dive fantasy newsletter. Um, it is not uh, the title was not my creation, uh, but everything so else in the fantasy, it, everything else in the newsletter is my creation. The title was not. I was yeah, so ready to subscribe. Great. I don't even know if I'm going to subscribe. You should now. still subscribe. It's a great I'm going to subscribe. It's phenomenal. One of the few things that I d- genuinely read in my inbox. When oh, do you really read it, Brandon? I, I didn't yeah, know that. I read it every Aww. week. So I, I will say, like, I skim it. Like, there's things like if if I'm, I'm like, oh, kidding. that's not my thing. But I read, I, I definitely go through the entire email. So, which is a lot for me. So <laughs> I'm not gonna look at I already wrote tomorrow's and it's 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 fairly short. So awesome. I will, I will digest it in its entirety in that case. Thank yet. you. Uh, Jed, always a pleasure. Uh, listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at NFL and ask you guys, Brandon. Thanks for checking us out. Have a good day.